Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The multiverse has exploded into an infinite number of possible worlds. Waking up on a Wednesday, the Spider-Man who nobody remembers, Peter Parker, swings through a city that needs saving once again. Seeing something large and dark on a nearby rooftop, Spider-Man swings down to investigate. It is then that a voice pierces the darkness. I know who you are, Spider-Man, although I can't remember exactly how or why. As the venom known as Eddie Brock lumbers forward towards him. Hey, mister, Spidey says. You look bad, so do me a favor and get out of here before... Before? Before what? The symbiote bellows before charging forward with lethal intentions in mind. It's the unknown versus the inside. It's Web Slinger versus the alien costume. It's MCU Spider-Man versus Sony's Venom. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we're bringing you an iconic matchup that crosses the multiverse and for one brief second, had an actual chance of happening on film. Figure that one out. In one corner, you have the MCU Spider-Man, quite possibly the most popular current character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, versus Venom, another super pop- popular Marvel anti-hero brought to life in Sony's live-action Marvel equivalent. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. Now, surely some of you must have thought to yourselves, you know, how many times could this battle really have been talked about online? Well, here's your answer. According to Google, it's been discussed well over... Five million times. However, yeah, it's never been discussed who would win style. So in that way, it's kind of new to the world if you think about it. So with all that being said, this is a very interesting matchup. Clashing of styles could have happened for a second, and now it may still happen. We don't know, but we're going to try to bring some light to it right now. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's matchup? 
I'm always excited for these battles. Yes, this is a battle that has been talked about a whole heck of a lot, but I don't know. I haven't seen it personally talked about a bunch, even though it's so obviously right there. I'm going to just warn people right now. You already had your chance to see the new Spider-Man movie. Very you true. already had your chance to see the new Venom movie. We're going to be, I'm sure, talking about instances from both movies in here. I have huge issues with the post-post-credit sequence of the Spider-Man movie that did involve Sony's Venom, which, by the way, uh, awesome, uh, by the way, uh, because it doesn't make sense. I'll get into it a little bit later, but it really did make me mad. Yeah, you know, it's one thing. I like how Marvel kind of gives us, the fans, what we want to see. Never mind really a lot do. of other stuff that's just really fantastic. I did feel like they dangled something there for a brief second that everyone just really, you know, clamped onto. And then they just ripped it out of our hearts in a really kind of, I'm not so sure I'm crazy about it kind of way. And again, there's a chance that this fight could actually happen in the cinematic universe sometime in the future. But we all know that takes time for all that kind of good stuff to develop. You know, Ray, we're... We're talking about some really cool stuff before the show, and I think we want to let our Legion of Audience know. We've already made a little bit of an announcement, but I want to tell everybody, if you ever want to see what's really going on with the Who Would Win show, if you really want to get behind the scenes, pull back the curtain yourself. Sometimes Ray and I do it, but now it's a chance for you to do it. It has never been a better time than now to join the Who Would Win Patreon. Ray, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell our Legion of Audience why they should join our Patreon right now. Oh, the Patreon for who would win. Look, we're trying something we want to see for people who want to support the show. You can go to patreon.com slash who would win show. You can uh, subscribe for a few dollars a month, and that really helps us keep the show going. It helps us do all the things. You guys know how Patreon works at this point. If you like the show, if you listen every week, you want to support us in a small way, that's a small way that you can do it. Plus, we're going to give people on the Patreon opportunities to be involved with the show. We're doing a brand new segment, a short mini battle that's going to appear weekly on Patreon called Thunderdome which is just very, very silly uh, uh, kind of off-the-cuff matchups that we discuss with no prep time whatsoever, and it's less than five minutes for the entire thing. It's a lot of fun. Additionally to that, people who are on the Patreon at, at most levels except for like $1, but you know, thanks for those people. Anyway, we still love you, uh, but you get to <laughs> thanks, have Ray. a vote, a real legit vote as to a future character who will appear on the show later that month. So I'm excited to give you that. Plus, you know, a whole bunch of other range, you know, at higher ranges, you're going to get some free merch. Uh, you're going to, you know, for $20, you're going to get mentioned on the show at some point. We're just going to go through all the people. So it's like we got lots of ways to interact with the people. And I'm excited to give you guys extra content and a little bit of an extra heads up as to what's going on. You know, Ray, we, we've talked about this, too. For years, our fan base, now known as the Legion of Audience, they've wanted yeah. to get involved with the show. Some way, some shape, somehow. You know, people say, hey, can we help produce it? Can I jump in as a judge? And we have limited time, like, on the show itself for people to get involved in that way. However, sure. we talked about it before the, you know, the new year, and we said, hey, maybe now's the time for Patreon to get people to come in, help us figure out great battles, listen to our great content that we have that you can't get anywhere else. There's a whole lot of great stuff. You know, I'll make some announcements also about my next productions coming up and what I'm working on. A lot of great stuff happening. So hope to see you on Patreon. Be part of the team. And, you know, we want to see everyone get involved because we just have amazing things coming up in the future. But 
Speaking of amazing things, it's time to introduce our next guest judge, making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's former writer for WWE SmackDown and WWE 2K current writer. It's the one and only Andrea Listenberger. Andrea, welcome to Who Would Win. Hi. Thanks, James. Thanks, Ray. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Quite a battle coming up tonight. Ooh. Yeah, you know, you've seen both characters, right, mm-hmm. and all that kind of good stuff. We felt that you would be an amazing judge, but on top of that, the other reason was because you've got such this ama- this, this great background. I went to uh, AndreaListenberger.com. I recommend all of our fan base do that as well, just to kind of get some information about you. You have done a lot of amazing stuff, you know, writing for uh, WWE SmackDown, W2K, plus a whole lot more, plus you've got this great um, improv background, correct? Yeah, I, I've, I've done the whole improv sketch racket from number of places uh currently on a sketch team named friendo we were gonna you know uh go to san francisco sketch fest uh, next weekend but as you know the world is as the world is um yeah but yeah, yeah. i i kind of dip dabble and dive and one thing that is not on my website but is relevant to this podcast is that i am a former lincoln douglas debater so i'm will oh, be bringing boy. a keen here eye we go arguments no pressure I'll be watching to see what you two have to bring. Okay, look, I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous, and this rarely That's happens fair. to me. That's very fair, James. You have this presence, you have this je ne sais quoi, you've got this quality about you that I can totally tell if we miss, have a misstep, you will be on it immediately in a very, very big and unfortunately very correct way. So I'm trying to bring my A game. I know Ray's going to try it as well. I have my reasons for this, but I want to hear it from you. What? What, in your opinion, makes you uniquely qualified to be a who would win show judge? I think besides my stunning intellect and also, uh, you know, alluring qualities overall as a human being, I'm going to judge specifically on what's laid on the table. I'm not going to bring my own opinions into it. I'm going to I'm going to stick to the the initial arguments. Uh, I'm going to judge the quality of the rebuttals. Uh, and I think there's also something to be said for for judging the flair with which those initial arguments and rebuttals are brought. So simply put, I'm looking for the full package here today. Interesting. Flair is something I never really considered, although I do try to put some in anyway. Ray's all about the flair as well, as you can, you know. Tell, I'm sure. Okay, so we've got this amazing judge. We've got these two great characters. Ray's bringing his A game, and he's coming off a win from last week. I am raring to get my first win of season four. With all that being said, Ray, let's get this party started. Please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the MCU, the hero who could never go to Cheers because nobody knows his name, Spider-Man. Too soon. And representing Sony. The anti-hero who lives rent-free in the heads of all his friends, Venom. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win matchup. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. We've already done that with these two characters. I can't wait for this. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent 
by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Hoodwin store. Get your official Hoodwin t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. And now, let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Sony's Venom. Venom is an alien symbiote who bonds to people and gives them powers. In comics, he first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 252 back in 1984, and first appeared as Venom in The Amazing Spider-Man number 299 in 1988. The Sony Venom I'm using today first debuted in the 2018 film Venom and was played by Tom Hardy. Eddie Brock is an investigative journalist given the story of a lifetime. When investigating experiments involving an alien symbiote, Eddie gets bonded by the alien while trying to save a test subject. Now imbued with superpowers and an alien living inside his body, Eddie Brock lives with and as Venom. 
and attempts to battle evil by killing it. Fun fact, many actors look to real life for inspiration for their roles, and Tom Hardy is no different. In order to play Eddie Brock, Hardy has said that he based him off of an amalgam of three celebrities. Those three celebrities are Conor McGregor, Redman, and Woody Allen. <laughs> Connor for his aggression, Redman for his mellow quirkiness, and Allen for his New York comedic timing. The movie made over $850 million, so who am I to tell him that it didn't work? That is Sony's Venom. You know what I loved? I actually really liked both Venom and Venom 2, and I loved how in the first one, uh, Venom fought an evil uh, symbiote possessed by you know someone who's also having bad intentions, and then in the second Venom movie, he did the same thing with Carnage. Same Don't really thing. get it, but whatever, it worked, right? Both movies made a ton James, of money, you, so it's all you good. James, really, you really liked uh, the two Venom uh, live-action movies? I actually really loved both of them. I'm a simple guy, Ray. Well, that explains a lot to me, James. You would. I would. All right, now here are the details for MCU Spider-Man. Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and first appeared in the Amazing Fantasy comic book number 15 back in August of 1962. In the MCU, Peter Parker was just an ordinary kid until the day he gained amazing powers from a spider's bite. Since then, he has dedicated his life to fighting crime and protecting the innocent as Spider-Man. As if that wasn't enough, he eventually caught the eye of billionaire Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, who would give Peter Parker the chance to become one of Earth's mightiest heroes. Although that might sound like a lot for someone still attending high school, Peter Parker was up for the task. After all, just as Aunt May and in different universes Uncle Ben used to say, with great power comes great responsibility. Now, I had a fun fact, but I just found something else out that's even more fun about Spider-Man. and the latest movie, No Way Home, something that Stan Lee hated about the original Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, back in... 2003 whenever it came out got corrected in a very very cool way it's so cool okay stanley evidently hated the mask that the goblin was wearing the green goblin was wearing he really didn't like the fact that willem defoe had to wear a mask when he had the perfect face for the green goblin absolutely could have mowed it perfectly right. so in no way home not only did he just not have the mask he actually smashed the mask Destroyed as a sign yeah. possibly of defiance to kind of rectify what stanley couldn't stand about the original spider-man movie and that is your fun fact about spider-man no way home now you have the facts on both opponents andrea do you have any questions before we get started so we're we're only talking the movie versions of these of these two characters, correct? That is correct. Correct. Okay, makes it interesting. I like it. I like it. Because why not, right? Let's keep it really precise. Well, and that to be way, fair, it's got to be a tighter game. Like I haven't done the research on this, but I have a strong feeling these two characters have met in comics more than once. I am uh, I'm shocked to hear you make such a such a statement. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like something that happens in you know WCW all of a sudden gets referenced in WWE or AEW. It's just a weird universe we live in. N Next, you're going to be said, telling me that the plot lines are going to repeat themselves sometimes and seem somewhat similar from time to time. Oh, look, I don't want to blow your mind right now, <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> uh, no comment all right now let's get this party started ray go ahead and hit us with your point number one point number one for venom let's just talk about his basics let's talk about his raw power because this is a character that bites the head off of people 
He bites the head off of people. That's really my starting point to start at a baseline of ridiculous power that this character is coming from. Look, Eddie himself is an actual decent fighter. In the uh, finale section of the first Venom movie, we actually saw him doing some real fighting, some real throwing of punches, some real combat. We saw him jump off of kind of a wall bridge thing and then do a little Superman punch towards uh, uh, Riz Ahmed's character and, and kind of knocked him flat with a flying punch. This is a guy who knows how to fight a little bit, whereas Spider-Man, I don't think he's actually been officially trained in how to fight. He just uses his abilities and he just is stronger and faster than the people around him, but that doesn't mean he has actual combat abilities. Eddie has shown some. Heck, Eddie's strong enough. He kicked open a security door and knocked it right off of its frame. He once uh, crashed, right? Uh, Eddie Brock in a great motorcycle chase in the first movie had a huge crash. His body was broken. It was down. It was ankle was like to the side. He was messed up. The Venom symbiote actually healed his own body and put it back together on the spot. So I would question what exactly Spider-Man could do physically and aggressively to Venom that the Venom symbiote can't just recover from pretty quickly. You know, you got to keep him down for in the rules of who would win two minutes. I don't see Spider-Man from the MCU keeping this version of Venom down for a full two minutes or, or knocking him unconscious or silly. Let's face it, strength-wise, he's known to just tear out chunks of concrete and just throw it at people or tear out metal scaffolding and throw it at people. That's what he does. And as far as speed goes, there was another symbiote named Riot and he had all kinds of blades and there was a great sequence where they were on a cat walk and riots shooting all these blades all through him and coming up through the bottom of the catwalk and venom using insane levels of speed dodged out of the way of every single one of those blades and durability wise it's not just that he could heal eddie brock often he's actually venom instead of eddie with venom inside of him making him more powerful as venom himself so he could just absorb bullets Heck, he got stabbed through a whole bunch of times and he usually just creates a hole and the stabs just go through the hole and then doesn't even hit him. But even when he gets stabbed all the way through as did happen when he tried to grab onto that riot symbiote and all these uh, spikes came out like a little porcupine and blew him off of him, he recovered very, very quickly from that. He's got a healing factor. He's got an insane healing factor. He's got probably better than movie Deadpool healing factor. I don't know of a healing factor uh, maybe outside of a Wolverine, at least from the movies, but I think he maybe even has a better healing factor than Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the last two things to talk about, uh, there was one point when he was being chased by like all the security, all the police, whoever the heck they were, you know, the, the, the feds, the man, he was running from the man and he jumped to the top of a very, very tall tree in nearly no time at all to the point where they saw him standing next to the tree. And by the time they got to him, they couldn't find him anymore. Now, a logical person, would say look up dummy but they chose not to or he would the tree was so tall you couldn't see to the top of it and he hit up there and i've seen him do it in the movies spider-man has a great ability to use the webs to go you know wall crawl and get flying through all the city from all the buildings venom in the movies has used his symbiote to shoot out little like lashes and do the exact same move himself so mobility will not be a problem this is a slam dunk for venom and that's my point number one Okay, look, Venom is awesome. 
He's awesome. I love this character. I love the character in comic books. I love this character in animation, and I love this character in live action. So no disagreement with anything about how great he is that you're presenting. But I do have some questions. First of all, how many superhuman beings has uh, Venom bitten the head off of? Because we've seen him do that for regular humans. How many superhuman beings has he faced off of where he's bitten their head off as well? Well, specifically, I can reach out to the second movie, the Carnage movie, because he actually took the Carnage symbiote at the end of the movie and ate it, <laughs> killing when it. When it was separated from turned, the villain. And, yeah, but he ate the other symbiote, who's probably equally as powerful, if not more powerful than him. And then he bit the head off of Woody Harrelson's character, uh, Cletus Cassidy, as well. So, when you he know, was a he was human. a formerly superpowered. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's some venom, uh, some carnage left in him. I can't speak to that. I don't know where they're going with this series. Got it, got it. So the answer is no, he hasn't, but I wish he had because it would have been great. Another question, if Eddie Brock is separated from Venom, can Eddie be hurt? Oh, sure, absolutely. Okay, great. And can Venom be hurt physically when he's fully bonded? And by the way, I think Venom is both Eddie and the symbiote, if I'm not mistaken, but so can Venom be hurt physically? Man, if he can, I have a hard time seeing it. He's been slapped around a whole heck of a lot, and he seems to recover very quickly. He obviously can feel pain, but I don't know if it's a ton of pain. So he can. The reason I'm asking that is because, yeah, it does take a lot, but he can be hurt. And you, we saw that, especially in the second movie, where he had to, like, tap into his inside spirit to, like, really kind of, you know, keep fighting on because he just took so much punishment. Um, and the last question I have is when he starts shooting out chunks of himself as weapons, does, what happens to his body? Does that mean, you know, if, they, if he shoots them out and they don't come back, does he have less power? You know, what is the effect of that when he shoots out strands of himself? I'll be honest, I have no idea. I just saw him do it, and I think they did it because it was cool, and I don't think they really stopped to think about the repercussions. Got it. So in the, in the I think you're right, in the comic books, and I know crossovers are kind of carrying less weight here, but in the comic books, if he shoots out strands from himself, he actually weakens himself if he doesn't get them back. Just kind of a weird thing. Okay, so again, I, Venom's awesome. I'm not convinced awesome. that the movie version follows those rules, though, obviously. Why would Venom in a movie follow any of the rules established with a very popular... He's singing karaoke in the second movie. We go to crazy town, James. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Let me get to my point number one and kind of, you know, just talk about the raw power of Spider-Man because, again, Spider-Man is absolutely amazing in so many different ways. We've talked about Spider-Man before on the show. Let me just rinse and repeat this power base real quick. So he's got super strength, theorized to being able to press somewhere between 10 to 20 tons, depending on what he needs to do at that moment. He was able to catch a car launched at him through the air. He hit so hard that he can stagger Thanos. You know, Thanos, the person who actually succeeded in destroying half of all life in the universe, that same guy who beat up the Hulk pretty easily. Yeah, Spider-Man can hurt him and stagger him with probably, I wouldn't say one punch, but a good blow if he swings into him with both feet, kicks him, he's going to stagger Thanos. He's got super speed. He's fast enough to catch up to a speeding car. Uh, he easily dodges gunfire. Gunfire. He's also super hard to hit because of his reflexes and everything else he can do. He is known to be one of the most unpredictable people to fight because he moves in such crazy unpredictable ways that you never see a human being move like that before he's got super durability where he takes crazy punishment keeps on fighting he's also got a healing factor 
It's not even close to Venom, so I'll make that very clear. But it does keep him in the fight much longer than he should have any reason being there. He's got superhuman endurance. This lets him fight at peak strength and peak endurance for quite some time. On top of that, I've already mentioned he's got super agility, super reflexes. This is, again, he, this is someone who's one of the hardest-to-hit targets in all of the MCU, never mind comic books as well. He's got his spider sense, what was referred to as the Peter Tingle. I'm, I'm still not good with that term, by the way. But he's got that, and this enables him to you know use his super speed, super reflexes to avoid anything that's coming at him in a really cool way. It also allows him to sense the severity of what's about to come on his way so he knows how to react. Maybe I got to jump further away or maybe I need to act harder, more viciously based off what Oh, I hate saying this. The Peter Tingle is telling him to do at that moment. Remember, this is the same thing. The spider sense is what told him in uh, Far From Home when he had to close his eyes to avoid all of the uh, Mysterio's, uh, you know, really cool uh, holograms or what have you to just ignore everything, miss everything that came at him and just like fight through this thing super easily, dodging everything like just like the way Spider-Man can. Again, super hard to hit. But he's got one other power that a lot of people overlook and that's the fact that he's a super genius and yes, I'm listing that as a power. So Tony Stark in the films thought he was one of the smartest people he'd ever met. That's Tony Stark. So how smart is he? In No Way Home, he managed to calculate geometrical patterns in that mirror universe where he was at it with Doctor Strange to actually outmaneuver Doctor Strange and trap him. Let me put that in perspective. He figured out how to trap Doctor Strange in the mirror universe, a place he'd never been to before, and yet was a definite home field advantage for Doctor Strange. Uh, sticking to wall and wall crawling, of course, that's not an issue for him. He can do all this crazy cool stuff, you know, with the uh, with the uh, webbing. I'm just kind of going off a side note. With the webbing, he also has that super genius IQ to know how to use his webbing in really, really cool ways at super speed in really unpredictable ways. He's an expert scientist. He can create stuff on the spot, on the fly. He can notice things that are happening around him using physics and what have you to say, great, if I do X, Y is going to happen. That's how I'll trap him, doing these crazy equations in his head, understanding how Captain America's shield is bouncing around and knowing how to capture it and do what he's got to do with it. Listen. The MCU, MCU version of Spider-Man hits super hard, is super fast, is a wall crawler, has a great version of the Spider-Sense, but he's also a super intellect that really should be listed as a superpower. All that together is my point number one. That's excellent, James. Now, look, this is a wonderful character who I enjoy very greatly. You say he's very, very smart, and I believe you because he can use machines that Tony Stark created. I mean, cool. I can use my washing machine. That doesn't mean I'm smarter than Mr. Whirlpool, okay? Also, he's, for being so smart, he sure didn't know he was fighting literally air in multiple Mysterio battles when he was fighting him. I mean, for a genius, he really should have been able to figure out that that thing wasn't actually there. And he was and he was fighting up against it. Come on, James. He's smart. And what's he going to do? Is he going to suddenly create a molecular destabilizer using broken bottles in an alley while Venom is super speed attacking him? I don't think that Eddie Brock and Venom are going to give Spider-Man any daylight whatsoever to pull off any of these smart moves. Because let's face it, he got that off on Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange was holding back too much. Doctor Strange wasn't going in for kill shots, which is exactly what Venom would do. I just wish Peter Parker, Spider-Man from the MCU, had some way, something on him that he could use in a way very similar to what you're talking about, Race to Canis. Maybe that'll pop up in a later point. It's I have no idea. It's a shame he doesn't. It really is. It, it, it a is a shame. It, yeah. just, it would be so great if he did. You've heard points number one from both Ray and I. Where is your head at so far with this battle? You know, I think it's really going to come down to who can... Who who convinces me thoroughly about 
what the head-to-head between the two of them would look like specifically because I'm seeing a lot of points for the raw power of both Venom and Spider-Man. Uh, I, I think, James, that you made some great points about about the, the smarts that Spider-Man Peter Parker brings to the table. Likewise, I think Ray made some good counter arguments about why they might not apply. So I'll be interested to see how how that comes in because it seems like we are agreed on the fact that maybe Venom does have just a little bit of edge on the kill factor over Peter Parker. So I think the scenario of the fight itself between these two individuals uh, is really what's going to be be making that final final analysis and, and decision for me. Interesting. You need to kind of see the setup and how A gets to B gets to C gets to a victory for each character. Yeah, and I think I think this uh, the stakes that each each character brings to the table in this in this battle will have a lot to do with who's going to go over the edge. Because I mean, raw power. You guys both have made phenomenal arguments on that front. I, I, I'll, inter- I'll be interested to see what you each have to say about how that will come into play in a practical way against your opponent. Very cool. Okay, this is good. Love the it. stakes have been set. Give us your point number two, Ray Sicanus. Point number two for Venom. We're talking about a character who's pure aggression versus a teenager who's worried about his dating life. And that is just the stark reality, haha, between these two characters. Let's talk, for example, Venom. He bites the heads off of people. I believe I mentioned it in point number one. It should be stated again. We've seen Spider-Man not kill, to my knowledge, anybody. He tried to in his third movie that just came out. And he and who is he stopped by? Spider-Man. So he doesn't kill people, but Venom doesn't have any problems with that compunction. He's leaving body counts everywhere because he's hungry. And he's thirsting for that brain matter. You know where he's going to find a high dose of smart person brain matter to eat? Inside Peter Parker's head. And let's break down some of those Spider-Man fights from the movies. Because yeah, we, we loved him in Civil War. I sure did. But all he really had to do there was slow down Captain America. He wasn't trying to hurt people. He wasn't trying to really kill people. He was just trying to slow him down at the behest of Tony Stark. And he's still, you know, he, he was able to handle like a Winter Soldier and Falcon fighting, which is, you know, that's cool. Those are two excellent characters, but they're not nearly on a bestial level of a Venom. And also Spider-Man's gotten his butt handed to him by who in these movies? Vulture, who has no powers. He got his butt handed to him by Mysterio, multiple times and then he got tricked by Mysterio again fighting the air the one that really strikes out to me though is the ATM scene when he was going off to stop some ATM burglars in a lobby and he was taken totally surprised by a piece of tech that they have that almost cut him in half they almost cut him in half and these are regular people he tends to in his own movies fight street level people I would argue Venom is a notch above that and Venom's fighting these massive symbiotes who are trying to bring doom and destruction to the entire world Spidey typically outside of other people's stories isn't fighting with those kind of stakes on the line so when Spider-Man gets taken in by uh, surprises if there's stuff he doesn't see coming or isn't prepared for he tends to take a loss And that's just the case over and over again with this character. Venom is a very unpredictable character. He's going to invent new ways and the tentacles and the tendrils are going to come out and the tendrils are going to do some crazy things. I'll talk about that later, but 
Spider-Man is more worried about saving people than he is about winning his own battles. Let's not forget the most recent movie when Dr. Octopus is on the bridge and he's more concerned about grabbing and pulling that car up than he is fighting Dr. Octopus. So when Venom puts other people's lives at stake, Spider-Man's going to have to worry not just about Venom, but about saving people as well. And let's face it, Venom, again, he'll go there. He's grabbed a SWAT team guy, grabbed him by the leg, slapped the entire rest of the SWAT team with the guy, then threw the guy through multiple panes of glass. Again, humanity gone. This is a pure aggressive fighter. And also Venom in the fights has no problem taking damage himself if it means that he will do an equal or greater amount of damage to his enemy. And I think in a fight with Spider-Man, Spider-Man can't heal the same way that Venom can. So if they're going to sit there and they're just going to keep beating on each other, beating on each other, Venom's going to be recovered at the end of the battle. And poor little Tom Holland is going to wish he was in an Uncharted movie. Because at the end of the day, he's going to be taking a loss in this battle. Final thing, Venom... I know we say no prior knowledge, but it is natural that he knows who Spider-Man is. He knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker. He knows Spider-Man is a teenage boy. That's how he got into the final stance of the final movie, which didn't make any sense, but I'll get to that later. That's my point number two. All right. So I know reading comprehension was not one of your best courses or best subjects in high school, Ray. I didn't realize that movie comprehension was also up there for you. Let me explain a couple of things for you real quick. So in Avengers Infinity War, there's that tall kind of character, Ebony Maw, who had that cool telekinesis took on and captured Doctor Strange. Who is the person that came up with the plan and initiated that plan to kill him within that Q kind of style spaceship to send him out to space? Oh, that's right. Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So killing when he needs to, that's something he can do, unfortunately, way too easily. Uh, let's see. In terms of fighting, he's taken on a crazy assortment of beings. Again, he fought Thanos. He fought Corvus Glaive, which was this big Hulk-like creature that came to Earth with Ebony Maw that took on Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Tony Stark. And again, Spider-Man took him on, got him, you know, hit him a whole lot, helped to defeat him as well. You know, the question I have is, you know, Ven- actually, it's more of a statement. Venom is call, calls himself the lethal protector. He's not going to put people's lives at stake because Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy's character, who is brilliant, by the way, I love that character, won't allow him to put people's lives in danger in that way. We saw that in Venom, you know, Let There Be Carnage, where he says, I'm the lethal protector. I've got to save people. I've got to go help. He's got that conscious now. He's got that super, he goes from kind of like weird anti-hero villain, but now he's pure anti-emphasis hero. He's not putting people at risk that same way. So I've got to disqualify that point. And the final question I have is, you know, we've seen these two movies with Venom. I hope we see a lot more. But right now we've only seen him take on other symbiotes, whereas Spider-Man, it's not really a question, more of a statement, Spider-Man is taking on a massive assortment of supervillains and other superheroes. More on that later. So let me get to my point number two, and I'm going to clarify a lot because unlike other versions of live action spider-man this one's a little bit different and one of the ways he's different is that he's got tech on his side so we saw in uh the not too uh previous or previous movies spider-man has a suit of armor and this suit of armor you know is called i believe the iron armor spider iron spider armor i believe and this gives him a completely different arsenal and a whole new array of abilities that complement what he can already do. Let me get into that. Now, before we get to that, let's talk about his web shooters. He created these web shooters that are insanely versatile, insanely powerful, can do a whole bunch of different types of webbing. Uh, he created the way to load them, to launch them, to create the webbing itself in the shooters. This is brilliance beyond brilliance. 
On top of that, let's talk now about the Iron Spider armor. This is a self-contained suit that provides them with life support, up to eight hours of oxygen, can protect them from the cold vacuum of space, and is completely enclosed. So if Venom's going to try to take over Peter Parker, it's not going to happen through this. More on that later. So let's see. The Iron Spider armor also gives Peter Parker a massive upgrade in durability as able to like tank shots from Thanos. This is where he got to tank the shots, as well as made him like hit Thanos again super, super hard. The Iron Armor comes with a cutting-edge AI that enables Peter to process and analyze any type of data coming in. Let's see, this also upgrades his web shooters that come with a selective web types, a laser targeting system for more accuracy. Uh, there's all these new methods and combinations of using web shooters that they have to be cataloged by the AI and kind of spoon-fed to Peter Parker at super speed. But there's a whole lot more. And on top of that, by the way, he can't run out of web fluing or web webbing web fluid. So he's always got webbing as much as he wants. We'll never run out. There's a whole lot more to this, though. Let's see. The Iron Armor suit is made up of nanites, one of my favorite plot devices in all the whole superhero genre. So the nanites themselves are stored in a small compartment and are mentally called to activate activate by Peter Parker. So he can, you know control all aspects of his uniform the nanites themselves he can shoot them out of his body he can make them go on we saw what he did with dr octopus where they went on this is a really cool aspect and this could be the game changer more on that as well the suit also has these pincers and they're manifested as these four spider leg spider legs deployed from the back of the suit also controlled by an ai and this ai anticipates how they can help him so they respond to peter parker mentally and also take in the areas and surrounding everything what's happening and can act on their own now, these things are so strong that when Thanos gripped them and tried to break them, he couldn't do it. That's how powerful these things are. And on top of that, these things operate really well in space, not in space and air, and they're super, super powerful. And the suit itself described having neural reactive interface. That's that thing that just reacts super fast to whatever Peter Parker is feeling, thinking, before even Peter Parker realizes it's happening. So we're not done here. He's got, let's see, a parachute. He's got glider wings, which enable Spider-Man to fly in a certain kind of cool way. He's got missiles. He's got enhanced combat mode. This is my favorite thing. It's called the instant kill mode. And this allows the Iron Spider armor to attack using absolute lethality, killing things, anything that's around him that's presenting a, th a threat, and all four of the spider legs react anonymous, autonomously and also can work together. This is really, really cool because when it happens, the suit, the spider suit eyes, they start to glow blue, I believe, and kind of show like the, that uh, instant kill mode is initiated. So what does Venom get when he's not just fighting Spider-Man, but a Spider-Man wearing the iron spider armor designed by Tony Stark and then upgraded further by Peter Parker? He gets a beating is what he gets. That's my point number two. So much, so much to talk about here. Kill mode. You mean that thing that he's never actually used because he's afraid to kill people. Yeah, he, he had a chance it. to he kill the it. bully on his bus. He had a chance to kill the bully on his bus with a drone and then wimped out of it. Come on, Peter, be a real man and kill that bully. He, killed, he, does he used it. it. He used the kill mode, the kill mode in uh, Avengers Endgame. We saw him do it and there. Who, and who did he kill with it? Uh, probably about 30 of Thanos's uh, very powerful yeah, minions. Legion. He killed little yellow minions with goggles and an Oshkosh Bagosh overalls. They were he nice didn't though. kill anybody nice real. Overalls. James, you said something in a previous point I have to get back to for your rebuttal. Just because you fought Thanos, just because you fought Cor Corvus Glaive, he didn't beat any of these people. He got his 
butt handed to him by these people. Oh boy, you know, I could walk up to Mike Tyson, shove him a little bit, he could knock me unconscious, and then I could come back and say, well, I fought Mike Tyson. No, I got my butt kicked by Mike Tyson. Huge difference. You should not even count any of that absolute nonsense. In fact, the Nanites thing is cute. He was able to use it to use his programming abilities because Dr. Octopus from the old Sony movie, Alfred Molina was about to murder him. He overpowered Spider-Man. He was too fast for Spider-Man. Dr. Bleeping Octopus. Venom is a much more powerful character than Doc Ock, and you're not going to be able to use nanites in order to mechanically take over the arms the way that you did with Dr. Octopus. And not just that, the symbiotes in the Sony movie have shown they know how to just, like, grab and then tear the symbiote off of the body. I don't know why Venom can't do the exact same thing to this spider suit. He grabs it and yanks it off just like you can do with an, an actual living alien host. We'll have to see. Again, I just wish I, I had an example of Nanites doing something to a symbiote. But, you know, again, that you we'll, we'll see if that even exists. We'll even see. All right, Andrea, you've heard two points from Race to Canis. You heard two points from me. Now we're at what's called the turning point. This is where you have to tell us who you think is ahead in this fight and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. You know, I think uh, as as much as I am a personal fan of Spider-Man and particularly Tom Holland, Spider-Man and particularly Tom Holland and lip sync battle dancing to singing in the rain and uh, umbrella. I got to say, I think I think Venom right now is in the lead. Largely because, again, I, we already talked about how you both laid it on the line in terms of the raw power of each character. This second round seemed to be a, a, a conversation about their their extra extra assets, tech on the side of Spider-Man. And I thought the rebuttal that Ray made about uh, putting head-to-head that tech with the power of the symbiote was very effective and well-delivered. So I... I think given that with raw power, I feel like Venom maybe came out a little bit ahead as well because of that aggressive nature. I think what Spider-Man would have to do to come ahead is for him to have some other sort of asset that could counterbalance uh, those slight edges made by Venom that have been presented thus far. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So you need to see how Spider-Man could take advantage of something that Venom has to offer. Uh, yeah, some, something because I do I do feel like he's just a little bit ahead right now in this in this battle uh, when you when you're putting all their assets next to each other. This is how I know the judge is listening. What's that, Ray? This is how I know the judge is listening is because I'm ahead. What? All right, Ray Sicanus. We've been here before. You're slightly ahead in the lead, but I like this. I like being the underdog going to point number 3. So go ahead, see if you can get the knockout shot with your point number 3 right now. Point number three for Sony's Venom. Let me just start by saying he bites the heads off of people, Andrea. He bites off people's heads. Spider-Man doesn't do anything remotely that violent at any point against Thanos when he's getting his butt kicked or Corvus Glaive when he's getting his butt kicked or anybody else where he's getting his butt kicked. Let's talk for a moment about the tendrils, because the tendrils and the tentacles were an essential part, almost to, not really almost, a creepy level in the new Venom meets Carnage movie, Venom 2, that just came out, because the tendrils provide an unpredictability specifically. They can not just attack you, because uh, you don't know how many tendrils are coming at you at a given time, because it feels like he has one coming out, two, three, four. The tendrils can be used to manipulate machinery behind him while still using tendrils to fight in front of 
of him, and they can attack you from literally anywhere. We've seen the tendrils in these movies come out like through walls, through the floor, come from above, come from behind. They'll slither around into position and hit you where you're not even looking. I appreciate the Peter Tingle, but there's got to be a limit when there's five, six, seven different things about to hit you at the same time. And these tendrils aren't just like tentacles. They can actually form bladed weapons. They can actually form things that will hurt you, cut you, rip you to pieces, limb from limb. They can attack you at multiple different ways at once. We've seen the tendrils shove cars out of the way. So there's a huge degree of force with this in that there's two SUVs in this motorcycle chase scene I mentioned before. Two SUVs are trying to crash into the motorcycle that Eddie Brock is driving from the sides. The tendrils just reach out and shove the SUVs out of the way. In fact, at one point he's driving through, they reached ahead of the motorcycle, so they're fast, and they pulled the cars out of the way so he could zip through on the motorcycle, put them back so the cars following him crashed into those vehicles that's speed that's power that's stuff that spider-man is going to get surprised by and you don't have to be surprised very much in order to lose a battle like this let's talk spider-man sure in other people's stories he fought and lost against some very very powerful characters in his own stories he struggled against characters like vulture and mysterio human beings who had no powers why is spider-man always picking on people who have no powers in his own movie that's a bully that's an absolute bully james you should be ashamed of yourself for repping this character with your anti-bully agenda that you're always shoving in my face out Rageous. Now, in Spider-Man 3, the most new one, uh, he defeated a whole bunch of great villains with Dr. Octopus, Electro, the Lizard, etc., Sandman, but he was gifted a one-shot MacGuffin from Doctor Strange specifically in order to defeat all these characters. If it was just him and those characters, he probably would have lost a majority of those battles because we saw the final scene of the movie. They were having trouble. They were having a very hard time, except for their prior knowledge abilities to take away all of the characters' powers. But realistically, those Spider-Mans would have gotten dunked on by these other characters, if not for the MacGuffin, which he would not have in this case. Whereas, Venom in his own movies fought a symbiote named Riot, who was considerably more powerful than he was, and defeated him. And then fought Carnage, who, in my estimation, about the exact same power level, but definitely much more aggressive, much more violent. There was a serial killer inside of Carnage named Cletus Cassidy. We've done a show on him before. Who would win fans? Or as I call you, Rainiacs. Go listen to that episode right now. Thank you for listening to that episode. You heard what happened. Shame on that, Judge. My point being right here is the power level of the characters in his own movies that Venom has defeated, definitely, definitely more powerful than Spider-Man in his own movies. And that's my point number three. Got it. So point number three is kind of a reiteration, but with an emphasis on power, viciousness, and what have you from points number one and two. Okay, interesting strategy right there because there's a lot of good stuff you brought up in points one and two. You know, the, the first thing is Mysterio, when he took him on, was it just Mysterio he was fighting? Was Spider-Man just fighting Mysterio? Or did Mysterio have, I don't know, anything with him in that fight whatsoever, right? Do, do you remember that? Can you clarify that a little bit? Are you asking when he was fighting with Mysterio, Mysterio had a creature that didn't exist. So I guess, yes, he had his invisible friend or visible friend with him, but he wasn't real. He was being attacked by the boogeyman. Ooh. 
We're not talking about what you have in common being invisible friends with Mr. You know, the reality is he had these drones, a lot of ser- uh, this huge series of drones that could be doing a whole lot of stuff, mass themselves as a huge creature, or at least just go on the offensive and just be insane killing machines on their own. And Spider-Man had to fight through, I don't know, it looked like dozens upon dozens of them, and he did it successfully. Uh, let's see, he fought the Sandman, and the Sandman, which is really cool, has a lot of similar characteristics to Venom. You know, shapeshifter in terms of can manipulate its body, can seep into stuff, can get bigger, smaller, get flatter, shoot parts of itself out. And Spider-Man seemed to do okay against the Sandman, so it's almost like he's going to have a little bit of familiarity when he fights Venom in terms of this power set. Uh, let's see, you know, there's not really much more I can say to put down Venom because everything you're saying is great. So let me kind of finish up everything with my point number three, where now we get into the actual strategy that Spider-Man is going to have to use to win this battle. Because look, as great as Spider-Man is, he's going to need strategy. He's going to have to rely on tactics. And that's how he wins his fights, by the way. So let's see. On top of the Iron Spider armor, he's got, uh, you know, again, some more stuff that he's got that really also separates him from the first two uh, live-action Spider-Man, you know, actors or, you know, people or characters, I should say. And we saw this in this really cool scene where Spider-Man, you know, from the MCU says to the other two Spider-Men, hey, I was part of the Avengers, and they're both like, wow, that's great. Is that a boy band? Is that something like, was that a club or something? They had no idea what it is. And what Spider-Man from the MCU was saying is, I got a ton of experience fighting I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. Let me lead the way. So he's an expert tactician. And this is from the Marvel Wiki. He draws from pop culture stuff to formulate strategies that just work really well. We saw this when he had to help defeat uh, Ant-Man when he got really huge into a giant when he was fighting with Iron Man and War Machine, where he went around and pulled an Empire Strikes Back and just kind of wrapped his legs around that whole thing. I already talked about Ebony Mon. He's like, hey, I'm going to use this strategy from Alien. Blow this open, distract him. He gets sucked out into space. That's a win. By the way, we killed him. I'm a little vicious. What the heck? I'm the MCU Spider-Man. Let's see. He also learns how to use all of the laws of physics to launch him, you know, better at uh, creatures or people he's fighting, you know, using helicopter blades, buildings, what have you, to magnify and amplify how hard he can hit. That's the really cool thing about this. On top of this, Ray, you said he doesn't know how to fight. According to the Marvel Wiki for the MCU Spider-Man, he's listed as an expert combatant, and he's definitely got a combat style developed into this kind of cool instinctive and improvised collection of like, I don't know, techniques that use his superhuman strength, his agility. I hate saying this, his Peter Tingle, his spider sense. He combines all that. He does have this really good combative style and lists him as an expert combatant. I mean, he knows how to fight really, really well. He's not a raw beginner anymore like we saw even in Civil War where he was still effective or in the very first Spider-Man movie. At this point, No Way Home, this is someone who's highly accomplished, who helped save the universe or got back from being you know part of that half of the universe that got destroyed. This is someone who's fought with really, really high stakes. On top of this, he is a master marks person. He has superhuman accuracy. So if he needs to do a bang shot with webbing, if he needs to catapult himself into Venom to separate Eddie Brock from Venom and take him out of that body of that symbiote completely, he can do it because he can hit super hard using the trajectory, physics, everything he's going to know. And again, he's using that tactics and that marksmanship to combine everything together. So how will this all come into play against Venom? So Venom Conversely, has a few weaknesses that can be taken advantage if you can last long enough in a battle, which Spider-Man can definitely do. So the two main weaknesses are fire and sound. Get fire coming, and he's going to start to dissolve. He loses power. Tom Hardy will, or Eddie Brock will separate. Sound does the same thing. On top of that, they're both extremely painful to him. And these two things are often found by accident. Peter Parker, with his command of physics and tactics and strategy, 
there's going to be explosions. He's going to see that this affects Venom, just like we saw in the very first Spider-Man movie. However, Venom's got a couple other weaknesses too. He can be hurt by high impact and high physical trauma, something that Spider-Man specially can do. By the way, Eddie Brock can also be hurt when Venom gets physically hit. Spider-Man hits Venom as whatever. Eddie Brock is taking some damage as well. It does hurt him. Eddie Brock, again, he can be separated from the symbiote and through physical force, something Spider-Man can do. And on top of all of that, chunks of the symbiote can actually be torn or ripped off. We saw this during the two Venom movies. And Spider-Man, even without the iron armor, but you'll have it, he can definitely figure out a way to separate chunks. Spy, you know, Venom's shooting those tendrils at him. He's shooting them like projectiles. All of a sudden, there's less Venom, the symbiote, to be used. But the big two strengths Spider-Man has coming to this, the first one, again, experience with the bigger stakes, I already talked about it. And the second one, I'm going back to the nanites. Now, the nanites can enter the symbiote and at the very least provide feedback and say, hey, there's something going on with this. Here's some information. Spider-Man's going to analyze it. Wait, susceptibility to this or they're kind of weird for this. Got it. Now I know what to do. I can set up my plan, my trap. Same thing he did to Electro in No Way From Home. However, I'm going to pull in a really weird card here. Speaking of great writers... I have a friend of mine, his name is Eric Summers. He's one of the writers for Spider the Spider-Man films. Really good guy. Years ago, we had this talk about Spider-Man, No Way, uh, the very first movie, and Ned coming in from another Ultimates universe. Now he's part of the MCU. And I said, hey, how much do the comic books carry over in terms of weight into the Spider-Man films? And he's like, quite a bit. If it happened in the comic books, there's a very good chance it would happen in the MCU moves. I'm like, great. So in the comic books, Reed Richards created Nanites. Unintentionally, they got put in and launched into uh, Venom. And guess what happened? They controlled Venom completely. At the very least, they provided feedback. At the very most, they controlled him and shut him down dramatically. We've seen this with Nanites and other who would win battles. This is going to be what helps him. Also, the Nanites, why couldn't they capture part of the symbiote? Why couldn't he separate him and then put him into it? Why couldn't his webs pin Eddie Brock down and Spider-Man kind of takes him out? Look, there's a lot of different ways Spider-Man can win this. And now he's got tech support, literal tech support to help him. Put all this together, and there's at least six different ways I can see Spider-Man winning this. Two ways I can see Venom doing it. This is why Spider-Man is called amazing, and that's my point number three. Boy, I got to stomp all over a lot of these crazy nonsense things you're saying because Reed Richards, a character who doesn't exist in the MCU yet, created nanites to control Venom in the comics. Obviously, these completely different nanites created by a completely different person in a completely different universe would overtake him. James Stretch Armstrong thinks that that's a reach. You'd say he's an expert combatant. How? We've seen exactly how his life works in the MCU. Nobody's talking to him. Happy Hogan won't return his calls. He has to just go on school trips. What is he, taking judo in the high school gymnasium on blue mats? No, he's not. He's got a lot of strength. He's got a lot of speed, and he's got that uh, spidey sense. Sure, that's what makes him an expert combatant, but it's not fighting ability. It's not fighting moves. We haven't seen him do anything of the sort in the MCU movies or seen him train to do anything like that. Let's face it. When fight facing somebody with his exact same abilities, Green Goblin, in the latest movie he got torn up a guy who was as strong and as fast and as durable as he was green goblin in one of the greatest fights of mcu through the apartment building smashed him through repeated floors ceilings and walls and basically could have left him for dead 
Well, he basically left someone for dead, but that's all I'm going to say about that. I could absolutely see Spider-Man quoting old movies and say, oh, I got this old movie. I'm going to beat against him and say, Venom, I have the high ground. And then the tendrils tear him limb from limb because the high ground means nothing against a character named Venom. And you say he can use physics? He's smart. He can use physics. So his knowledge of physics is going to let him rip the symbiotes off of the internal parts of Eddie Brock? This is absolutely outrageous. And you say high impact trauma will hurt Venom. Sure. It'll also hurt Spider-Man. And guess who's also capable of doing it? A weird point to make. It's like, well, if he gets hit by a bus, yes, James, if we all get hit by a bus, something bad happens. It's all about who's driving the bus and who's getting hit. First of all, I think I'd be fine. Uh, our judge would be absolutely fine. Ray, you may have an issue with the small bus, you're right. But now, here's the deal. In the very first uh, appearance of Spider-Man the MCU, who did he take on? He took on two people specifically, right, in the airport. Who were those two people? We said before, it was Winter Soldier and it was Falcon. Who came out ahead in that battle, two-on-one battle? Who came out ahead? I think it was a draw. Like, you know, I think they were fighting against him a whole bunch, but I don't think anybody truly got over on the other one. Spider-Man got called away to fight somebody else, if I remember. Right. Spider-Man actually used his webbing. Winter Soldier tried to punch Spider-Man. Spider-Man caught his fist and like, oh, my God, a bionic arm. This is so cool. Then took him out, took out Falcon. He did take some damage. This is when he first put on, really, the Spider-Man, at least the Tony Stark version of the yeah, Spider-Man suit. Outside of the metal arm of Bucky, both of them are regular humans with regular human strength. I mean, Winter come on, Soldier, of he a was able super to take powered out being who's got the, the super serum and a is great a great arm. fighter and a bionic arm, arm and Samuel. I'm just saying that's it. That was his first official superhero fight. That was his first and one. And that, look how good he it, did. It, how well he did. Even if Peter, even if Peter figures out fire in the Venom movie, the symbiote is on fire around an exploding plane. Everything's ablaze a around him. Still had the presence of mind to make itself into a parachute to lower Eddie Brock into the water. So even facing its own weakness, Venom has the internal strength to get it done. Right. He gets weak. He keeps. He tries to protect Eddie Brock. And then he puts himself at risk. Right. That's true. Whenever he's near fire, that's a great point. He does get weaker. All right. We can go back and forth all day, all night. It's kind of what we do. But, Andre, you've got to now do your magic. Come in. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you wouldn't mind. And illuminate the Legion of Audience on who would win this battle between the MCU Spider-Man and Sony's Venom. Oh, I feel as though both of you have made me see the future of what that Spider-Man and Venom movie would look like. I want to I want to start off by saying that I I as much as I appreciate the Nanite article, I'm I argument, I'm going to have to rule it uh not applicable to this particular version of Spider-Man. Um I don't know what rules I have as a judge, but I'm claiming them. That feels like a comic book issue to me. Uh, I'm at least going to weight it so low that it, it this that doesn't play anything into any of my reasoning. However, I do think that there's a, several points that you guys brought up that made it made made a lot of sense. Um, here's how I see it playing out. Regardless of whether Spider-Man first attacks Venom or Venom first attacks Spider-Man, I believe that Venom's going to have the initial upper hand. I believe just head-to-head strength reasons, but more so than that, aggression reasons. The Tom Hardy version of Venom is is going to kick some butt and ask questions later 
if at all. Meanwhile, a lot of the reasoning that you brought up, James, about how intellectual Spider-Man is, about how how Peter works, how smart he is, he's going to ask those questions right off the bat. That's going to limit his ability to you know defend himself and especially uh, to to put forth all of the punches that he has. What I think, though, we're looking at here, and I think the third round is really important in this fact, is an Infinity War endgame situation. I think initially that Venom is going to kick Spider-Man's butt way out of contention for anything. However, I think what's going to happen then with everything that you brought up in terms of his strategy, James, uh, how he's going to regroup, how he's going to pull his resources together... I think that Spider-Man has a chance to come back, attack the issue, uh, and attack Venom with a new sort of take on things using both his technology, using his resources, if he ever gets people to know who he is again, uh, and just using his smarts that will ultimately lead him to getting his butt kicked by Venom again. Venom gets it. Venom oh. is the winner. Uh, it was a it was a tough battle. Oh. I went back and forth, but I think ultimately the symbiote's going to beat both the intellect, the tech, and the wow. expert combatantness of Spider-Man. He's he's not very good at I love him. He's not very good at his superhero job all the time. And so I think that a take no prisoners Venom can probably get the upper hand initially and ultimately as well. Uh, no, here's the deal. I actually like your decision a lot in certain ways, and I kind of disagree with it. I do think the first one, because I was thinking about this as a movie, right? The movie I think we all wanted to see. And I do think in the first encounter, Spider-Man's going to be like, what the heck am I fighting here? And this is what Spider-Man does. He's like, I'm going to try to take it on, and if I have to, I'm out. And then I'm going to regroup. Now, once he's got the tech and he's got everything else, he'll come back. He'll beat Venom. They'll team up. And then they'll kind of do what they do and kind of be cool with each other, I think. So I do kind of see your logic there. I do think the second round, Spider-Man takes it. The first round, I do think he's going to be caught off guard by the viciousness, the ferocity, and never mind the overall power and willingness to go there that uh, Venom has. So in that way, I kind of completely see your logic. You, you know, you bring up an interesting point there because one thing that I was thinking of about through this whole conversation but that you didn't bring up in your argument is in round two, had Peter Parker Spider-Man somehow appealed to the Eddie Brockness of Venom and used that using his intellect, that might have swayed it your way, James. But since we were just talking about, you know, the tech and the intellect in terms of the way to fight Venom, that's where I think Venom comes, a- comes ahead. I don't think it's the ending that a movie would get. But in the real life cinematic versions <laughs> sure. uh, that we're considering today, that's what I think would happen. Just again, given given the evidence that was presented by both sides. That is fair. Okay, Ray Sicanus, what is your take on today's battle? By the way, congratulations. Well, she had me going in the first half. And I will admit, I was not expecting this to go the way it went based on how that was being structured. Excellent job by our judge, Andrea, today to quite honestly trick me uh, into in a surprise victory. And I believe all the people at home uh, are with me on this. They thought I was going down. Spider-Man doesn't have a great record on this show. But Spider-Man in his first battle against a lot of people also doesn't have a great record. Very, very sadly. Um, I, I will say that you were correct. Unbelievable. I usually am, Ray, but coming yeah, from you, I, that means that means a lot. 
You know, hashtag Ray is right. It's often said on this show. Hashtag Andrea is right. I think also does in fact apply. It's just too much. And James, you just, you bit a little bit too hard into the apple and you got the core. You had the nanites argument, which I think was strong. I think could have led to the weaknesses. And then you mucked up your own argument by trying to bring Reed Richards comic book nanites in there. And immediately our very intelligent judge smelled a little something in the air, a little, a little dung, a little sulfur, a little something that made her kick down the entire argument. I think you got in your own way by reaching a little bit too hard this she time. smelled she smelled the race it was the name dropping thing i don't yeah, i don't have yeah. a friend who works on the comics i'm just i i'm just taking it based on the cinematic universes presented to me thank you yeah eric summers is the writer not of the movies not the comics but he did say it was interesting he was very positive about it with that being said not the strongest argument, but I had my big thing then was maybe the James. He should have put it in the movies, but he oh, didn't. Oh, really? He didn't do a good Shame job as you. is. I appreciate. I won't have that conversation. James thinks you should have put the comic. You can't just say, "Well, I intended to put all this in the comics." Trust me, that's not how these arguments work. Shame on it's you. It's exactly how these arguments work. Have you not been on this show for the past three years? Well, James. Clearly, they don't because Venom and Ray Stacanus won this battle. Uh, so disgusting. All right, Andrea, despite your judgment, I got to tell you, you're awesome. I loved your judgment. I loved how you took control of this battle and you just made it your own. You're exactly the type of judge we want to have on the show. Please come back uh, and, and bring everything you do back to the Who Would Win show. With that being said, tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Andrea underscore ML. Uh, you can also listen to me on a, my a podcast I do about 90s WCW Thunder called Get It Again, which is available anywhere you listen to your podcasts, maybe even where you're listening to this podcast. Uh, so check out uh, me there and check me out on Twitter. Very cool. So did you get my RoboCop reference? <laughs> yeah i love it okay and for those who are listening you got to check out our patreon to understand what that all is about for uh something really cool that we did all right race to congratulations you got the second win in a row for season four well played sir this is good i'm just going to come back at you harder next week get ready with that being said so you claim oh i will you got it. you know this you know me by now tell our legion of audience where they can find you online season four is off to a great start let's face it almighty ray two victories in, in two battles, I might go 51-0 and 0 this season and really drive it home for all the hashtag awkward allies out there. I want to congratulate one particular fan, one particular Patreon member, Gabe Ingrata. This battle is for you. I sure hope you were rooting for Venom because if not, it's still for you and you're just going to have to live with it. Sorry, Gabe. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We're going to be celebrating a massive hashtag Victory Friday. You know it. You love it. And you're going to see a lot more of it. This is season four, the gritty reboot of Who Would Win, where things can happen. It's not a re reboot, nor is it gritty. All right. Listen, I'll be making a big announcement shortly on Patreon. And then I'll let the Legion of Audience know through this uh, this uh, the episode of Who Would Win. 
stay tuned. Something big is coming your way. You're going to love what uh, I'll be announcing. With that being said, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. And remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Hoodwin Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, the Geek and Game community, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.